In this episode, we have Sharon Hodney. She's a wish mom and for 14 years, she served as a wish manager for Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley. Here is Sharon Hodney. Sharon, welcome to the Wish House podcast. How are you doing? Good, Abe. How are you? I'm doing good. How, how have you been during this pandemic? Um, actually, it, it's been, you know, a challenge. My husband and I moved uh, near my daughter, which was great. First time in 18 years that <laughs> we've been lived near each other. So that's been really great. Um, and, and just actually moving in, getting everything ready. We moved into a new house, so kind of settling in and um, meeting new neighbors. We've been having... Um, a lot of get-togethers outside, obviously, but now that it's getting colder, it's a little bit more challenging. <laughs> but it's still it's it's a very nice place to live, and um, it like I said, it's like a dream come true that we're finally um, near Erin, and um, and we can see her. Uh, I really don't see that many other people, but <laughs> at least we that's, can do that. That's she's awesome. Our, and she, she's she and her husband are in our close knit group. Those are the, that's part of your safe zone, your, your, your circle of trust. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you. Well, thank you so much again for, uh, for joining us on this podcast. And for those that are listening, you know, Sharon is referring to Erin O'Brien, who is actually one of our other guests that we have on the podcast. So if you, for episode isn't out yet, you'll hear it soon. Erin's um, wish was to go to Disney world back in March of 1990. Sharon, can you believe yeah. that it's been that long? 1990 was when Aaron's wish was granted. Yeah. I, how, yeah how, how was it? 30 years. It's insane. Yeah. How was it for you? <laughs> I mean, how. It's really insane. When you think about it. Well, you and I, Sharon, we, we've known each other for a long time, obviously, as, as you know, colleagues. Yeah. But um, I don't think yeah. we've ever really talked about in depth of how was it for you as your experience as a wish mom? You know, back, bring us back to 1990, you know, the. You know, right before Aaron's diagnosis, you know, how was, you know, how was it? You know, how was that whole experience of kind of going through learning that your child, you know, has this, you know, condition that is going to require treatment and, and a lot of uncertainties? You know, how was it for you back then for you and Glenn, your husband, Glenn? Well, it was, <laughs> um, I mean, it knocks your socks off, to say the least. <laughs> but, um, it's one of those things where it's it's almost surreal. You don't really feel anything in the in the very beginning because you're just like trying to wrap your head around it, and then it kind of sinks in. Um, and it's it's a whirlwind. I mean, it, it was we were actually um, on vacation at the time down in Georgia, and um, and my sister was taking care of Aaron, and so we. Um, you know, we really had no idea that she was, I mean, she had a low grade fever for a day and then it was gone. So that was just a normal, you know, kid thing. Um, but then, you know, she started, her fever started going up and we ended up getting her checked out and they took her blood and that was it. So it was kind of a whirlwind because we had to get back to New York to be treated and, um, we were treated overnight and then had to fly back to New York. So it was kind of like... <laughs> What the heck is going on? Um, and then we really didn't go home. We were in the hospital for, I'd say, a good almost a month. So we really didn't even go home, at least um, Aaron and I, for um, at least a month. So it was it was kind of crazy. Um, and it's and it's you know it's like probably the scariest thing you can imagine. <laughs> um, and it was we had a great support system, but honestly, you're you know, you're really in the hospital, um, 
I mean, for the most part, just trying to get through the day and the days are long and everything is uncertain. And it was, you know, it was very difficult. Um, but she did, she was doing okay. Um, and then unfortunately, um, about a year later relapsed. And then that was kind of like the other, <laughs> the other shoe dropped. <laughs> wow. And, um, and so that was like a whole different thing. But in the meantime, um, we were very fortunate because, um, we were referred to make a wish. Of course, like most parents in the beginning, you're just like, you know what, um, we'll be okay. You know, we don't, it's very hard to really accept charity or anything for, for that matter that, you know, you feel like, oh, I, you know, I'd rather be on the giving end than the receiving end. But it was such a gift to us that, um, and it was such a distraction for her. I think that was probably the biggest thing that, um, that was probably the most powerful that it was such an incredible distraction and that she had something to look forward to uh, when it was really, you know, everything else was uncertain. There was really nothing we could plan. And that was, that was like really like a lifeline. So um, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience for us. That's awesome. Really. And walk us through a little bit about when the wish grinders came to visit Erin, um, and kind of getting into the whole heart of her wish and what she might want to experience, you know, how did Disney World come up? Because obviously back then, you know, Disney World, as we know it in Orlando, was just kind of, you know, had been around for, for a while. Um, you know, Give Kids the World was, you know, right at the beginnings, early beginnings of yeah, when they were getting established. Um, yeah. so how was, how was, how did that come up for Erin? Like, how did she come up with this idea from your perspective as a mom, you know, of wanting to have Disney world be her, her wish of choice? Well, like, like every five-year-old at that point, I mean, you know, she was all about Disney movies and princesses and everything else. As you well know, it's just, it's like a common thread <laughs> and, um, and to her, it was really fantasy. And, and obviously kids at that age um, fantasize about all different things. And, and this was always something even before she got sick, obviously, that she was playing princess and doing all those things. Um, she loved horses and unicorns and all the typical five-year-old stuff. So um, Ashley, when our wish granters came over, um, she was toying with the fact that she wanted a horse. But... Um, Actually, <laughs> um, I, you know, she was not well enough to ride a horse or whatever. And, and so we talked about it and she, and she always wanted to go to Disney. So she basically kind of just said, no, I think that way I can, I can be a princess and, and really live out that fantasy. So um, it was our, our volunteers were awesome. I mean, it was one of those things where when they came into the house um, and they sat down um, really and 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 addressed her and we were my husband and I were really on the sidelines and I really saw a change in her as far as I mean at first she was shy but then as they started to get to know her and ask her um, different questions about who you know her likes and and some of the things that she dreamed about it was it was transformative I could see her just all of a sudden like I said being so distracted and thinking about really positive things and 
um, and and not just her illness all the time. And it was it was really um, amazing just to watch her because, like so many parents, you think you could give your kids everything, but you can't. <laughs> I mean, we couldn't give her that experience, um, especially coming in from that angle. Um, you know, we could we could have tried to take her to Disney, but it wouldn't have been the same thing. And we and to be honest with you, we all needed you know like kind of like a um, a little oasis that we could go to, and and that's what it served. It was it was um, it was very unexpected. We had no idea all the details would be taken care of. Um, it, it was it was really, of course, we always say this, it's magical, but it really was because it was so unexpected. And we knew, and you know, when, when all these details were really played out, you realized how much of a community it took to plan something like that. And I think that was so impactful. I know to um, Glenn and I, because it was, it's like this is not an easy thing to pull off, especially all the details. So, um, and the little surprises here and there. We were our socks were knocked off. We never heard of Give Kids a World. They were awesome. Um, they, you know, they were only maybe four or five years old at the time, I believe. So, you know, we didn't have any experience with that. But that was it. Was just it was just an amazing thing. And and she lit up. I mean, for for the week, she lit up. And you mentioned details, and, and that's actually a great segue to how fast forwarded 15 years, I guess, yeah. almost, or maybe a little less after that, because from, from her wish being granted in 1990, you look at it eight years later, you then become a volunteer with the chapter in October of 1998. You become an officially fully-fledged right. volunteer with Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley. And then um, in 2005, you actually are joined the staff. So before we get into the staff stuff, because yeah. there's obviously lots of stories we can go into with that. Right. But how was your experience? Again, just a few, just a handful of years after her wish was granted, you then go and become a volunteer. What kind of, what kind of nudged you in that direction to want to give back in that way as a volunteer at that time? Well, like I was saying, when the volunteers came in and I saw the reaction that Erin had, I mean, it was, um, you know, she was, it was really an amazing thing to watch. And I, it's funny, I did have a thought in my head at that point that I said, wow, this is something I would love to do. I mean, just because I felt like I wasn't really engaged with those volunteers, they were engaging Erin and that's what they were supposed to do. And I just thought, wow, this is amazing <laughs> that they could they could really um, do this and 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 bring something like this to the table, um, especially in a situation that was so um, critical. And I thought at that point, you know what, this is that re I really did tuck that away in the back of my head. And um, and it took years for her to recover, for sure. I mean, she went through a lot. Um, and we had no idea, you know, I mean, after she relapsed and she had to have a transplant and it was, um, you know, it was a long road and, um, and we had no idea when it was going to end and how it was going to end and if it was going to end and all those things. So, um, I just more or less tucked that in the background and said, you know, that would be something that I would like, eventually I would like to do to pay it forward. And, um, 
And then it, it, I have to admit, it did take years. I'd say about at least four years for me to feel comfortable with going back in um, on a volunteer level because it was still raw. And, and, you know, there's, I mean, obviously she's still followed even to this day, all these years later, but um, I mean, there were, we, you know, things come up all the time. So I really knew in order for me to do this, I had to be grounded. And, um, and I, I think it took me a good four to five years in order for me to separate myself so that I could serve other people and not bring my own um, story into it. So um, what I think that's actually a great point, Sharon, because for those that are listening into this podcast, I think you'll get a lot of, we're hoping that we have a lot of wish parents, people that are maybe have kids that have just maybe just been referred to the organization. They want to learn a little bit more about what's the behind the scenes kind of stuff that maybe is in the pipeline for them. Um, but I think mm-hmm. they also, every parent that has a child that has, you know, a critical you know, illness, a lot of times, you know, they're unsure of, you know, how to get involved with the organization. You know, they, they obviously are, are thankful for the opportunity and maybe they feel that they have to do something right away or that they have to get involved in some way immediately right after the wish is granted. But I think you give a good example of someone that took a few years to kind of just kind of get things to calm down a little bit. And then you kind of stuck your toe into it and said, okay, now I'm ready. You know, it's very similar to like my own experience as a wish alum. It took me seven years after my wish was granted to get involved as a, as a volunteer. And I think it's, it's pretty, it's, that's more common than having someone get involved right after their wish. Um, I think things are trending in a different direction now, though, because with the way social media works and the way families are sharing their 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 treatment journey online. I mean, you have all these caring pages and you have groups on Facebook or you have pages on Instagram that are specifically created to share with friends, family, the, the journey that a family or a child may be going through. I think it almost organically flows right into getting involved with the organizations that they're involved with that are helping them throughout the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's, you know, at the, mm-hmm. at the hospital that they're being treated at, or whether an organization like ours, like Make-A-Wish that is, you know, providing an experience to them. I think they're just automatically getting involved right away. Sometimes even before the wish even happens, um, just to kind of show thanks about having this experience that they maybe is coming up in the next few months. So I think that's actually a, a really good thing to share that for those that are listening, that it's okay to take your time, that it's okay to, you know, wait until things have calmed down for you to get engaged with the chapter that may be granted your wish. Right. It's like I said before, it is, it's uncomfortable to, to really have things given to you um, because it makes you feel very vulnerable, um, which I think is important to even recognize because obviously, you know, the whole situation, you were extremely vulnerable. Um, but it's really okay. Um, especially when you know that don't worry, there'll be a time when, you know, you can pay it forward and, and, and that's, you know, that's really the payoff. The payoff is to be able to pay it forward. And speaking of paying it forward. So now you took us a little bit into how we got started with volunteering, how you tipped your toe in the water. And now tell us about how you said, I'm just going to jump right in. Because then you joined our staff in 2005 and you did and you were a part of of our backbone of the chapter for 14 years. You just retired in 2019. Um, 
we'll get into the retirement part, but take us a little bit back <laughs> to 2005 of when you joined the staff. How was that for you, that experience moving from volunteer to then staff member and changing those hats? Because they're obviously a very different type of hat mm-hmm. you're wearing. I actually, you know what? I really, I really loved it. I, I think I was um, at a point in my life where, uh, you know, I was volunteering in not only for Make-A-Wish, but for other organizations. And I just felt like I, it wasn't enough. And, um, and I, I certainly didn't plan on joining the staff. It was one of those things where, um, you know, I, I, I ended up leaving my, my current job because my boss had retired. Um, and it was just like, okay, I think I need to do something different. And, um, and I just, I really had an opportunity to, to be, to really just reevaluate. So what I did was I called, um, Denise, obviously your uh, VP of program and, um, decided to say, you know, what do you need me for? I'll, you know, I'm not working right now. I'll just come in and, and do whatever you need me to do. And with that, she said, well, what are you looking for? And at that point, I didn't know what I was looking for. <laughs> so it was it was one of those things where she said, "Well, why don't you come on in?" And at the time, they did need um, they did need more staff, and I was just like thrilled. I, I mean, I I couldn't believe that I could actually, um, you know, literally be doing something that I always wanted to do, um, and it just seemed, you know, that timing was everything and it, 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 I was available and the, uh, the position was available. And I, I think I was ready. I think, um, there was much, a lot of distance back then, you know, maybe 14 years since Erin was diagnosed and, um, and, and she was, you know, obviously going into college and it was like, okay, um, yep, this is, this is the time. And so I jumped in and, and it was, it was a wonderful experience. Um, I learned a tremendous amount. I think the chapter um, was, you know, obviously in a place where everything was really expanding on so many levels, even with social media. I mean, you know, there, I don't even think there were cell phones, many cell phones back then. <laughs> Let me tell you, man, 2005, it, it, it brings an interesting, there's so, so much stuff that happens around that time because, you know, 2004, I mean, we'll talk about it later as far as your beloved Red Sox. You know, they won the World Series in 2004. <laughs> 2005, you know, things were kind of, you know, there were things were happening in the world. And it's true. I mean, social media was was just in the cusp of like blowing yeah, up. Um, yeah. You know, s- cell phones were just becoming like a regular thing where everyone had them before it was like a luxury or only like certain people had them. And usually the ones that had them were like, they were these huge bricks that people kept in their cars. Right. Um, you know, it was something ridiculous, right? It seems silly. It seems silly to I, even I, say that because it doesn't feel like yeah. it was that long ago, to be honest. Um, yeah. But during that time, you know, and, and, and just for our listeners to give some context, I mean, Sharon was joined the staff in 2005. She retired in 2019. She coordinated on average about 60 wishes a year, which totals up when you look at it, approximately about 840 wishes that pass through your hands. That's insane, Sharon. What do you, how does that even feel to like hear that number? (laughs) Cause I was looking at that when I was preparing for, for, for us to chat today. And I was just like, this is crazy. I mean, it's it's close to a thousand wishes that you yeah, had a, a, a strong role in. Um, 
that's that's wild. I mean, how how does it feel to even hear that? It's it, it really is. It's it's like mind boggling. Um, and it was it was such a whirlwind. But, I mean, the funny thing is, is um, you know, every wish has is really its own life. And, and you really have to treat it that way because you really are dealing with one child at a time. Um, it was just a big, huge juggling act, but, um, everyone, every single one really was, was, um, special and required a lot of, um, staff time, not only myself, but obviously volunteer, especially volunteers. I mean, all sorts of things. And it was really just a matter of, especially being a wish manager, just juggling and kind of, um, hopefully making all those ends meet and, and make it seem seamless. Um, but it was, it is a lot of, it's, it's a lot of wishes. It's really amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you find that, um, you know, being a wish mom and having that perspective, that experience under your belt, did it in any way influence you? Um, both, it could be, you know, pros or cons to it, you know, mm-hmm. with regards to coordinating wishes. Because, you know, where did you feel like you really saw yourself in the position of like really understanding to a certain extent what families are going through? But at the same time, did you find that maybe that didn't help you move forward sometimes? Because I know I find that in my experience as a wish alum, you know, that obviously I'm a wish kid first and foremost. In in your case, you're a wish mom first and foremost. So you always kind of fall back to that and you almost always put yourself in that other person's shoes. But sometimes in order for us to move forward or progress on wishes, we need to mm-hmm. make certain decisions in order to get there. So do you share a little bit about that whole kind of tug and pull of working on wishes well, as a manager? Yeah. It, um, I mean, you really have to, it's, it's similar to what I used to see in the hospital and watching, um, watching physicians. Like they have to be, they have to be separate. They have to be clinical in order for them to get perspective and to literally do their job. Um, I think there was a lot of that. You really have to step back and not be drawn in, but at the same time, you have to weigh and be sensitive to what that family is going through. And every family has um, different dynamics and all different things going on. I mean, usually when a, uh, you know, when you have a sick child, it, um, it can, it kind of makes you, you know, take the high road or the low road um, because it's, it's just a life-changing experience. So, um, you know, of course you, you did, you know, we dealt with all sorts of families in all different places as far as where that was. Um, But it was really important to stay um, on my side of the fence, because once, you know, sometimes there would be a lot of similarities, especially when you're, you know, when you're really dealing with a family that, um, that had the same illness as Erin and this, she was, it was the same age and the same gender and the same wish. And it's like, it just pulls you into like, you know, you know exactly what they're doing, we're going through, but it's not, it's, it's not your situation. Um, so perspective was huge. Um, I think it, it certainly was a motivating factor for me to make sure all those details were taken care of and to, and to push for things that I thought were really important. Um, but at the same time, boy, it, it can draw you in. And once you get drawn in, then you're really not doing a service to the family. I mean, you're, once you start to identify 
then it's about you and not and not them. So it's it's sometimes it's a tug of war, but it's really important. Um, it was really important for me to stay on my side of that. See that that brings me to the next question, which is out of the 840, 850 wishes approximately that you worked on over your, mm-hmm. your career with Make-A-Wish. Um, do any of those wishes kind of stand out at you, whether it was one that kind of mirrored in a lot of ways, Aaron's experience or, or another one for, for whatever reason, happy and or maybe not so happy um, memories, I guess. Um, you know, there were so many families that were um, you know, some, some, I got to know a lot more than others, um, mainly because of either, you know, how much involvement the wish was uh, entailed or the fact that there were so many similarities. So sometimes you just kind of, you know, really click. Um, there was many, many families that, you know, just completely pulled at your heartstrings. Um, and, and they were in a situation that I could certainly identify with. Um, but there were also many families that, um, there was a lot of different things, but still they, you know, they could certainly just make such a difference in your life, just getting to know them. Um, I'm, you know, it's, it's, what was one of those things in wish world, as you well know, Abe, that, um, people always ask you, what's your favorite wish? And that is like an extremely difficult question, especially when you just said 800 something wishes. I mean, you know, yes, they were all special, but some of them were, a lot more impactful, mainly because of of just the dynamic of the family or the um, what the child was going through, and um, and just seeing um, the courage and and life in in their eyes. I mean, you know, some some wishes were a whole lot harder to pull together than others, um, and sometimes you didn't know if you were actually going to pull it off. Um, obviously with working with so many travel wishes, there was hurricanes and, you know, flight delays and kids having seizures on flights and all kinds of things, um, that just, you know, could set you into a whirlwind. So, um, it, you know, there were many families that just made such an impression on me, um, that, it, it changes, it changes your life. Every single, you know, every single one would, has the impact, um, to change my own life. But it, some of them really, uh, it, the, the courage of some of these families and what, um, what they dealt with and are dealing with is just beyond comprehension. Sometimes we were lucky enough that, you know, I mean, Aaron's still being treated now, obviously, but um, you know, she, she went through a really difficult period, but, you know, did resume to a, a life and some, a lot of these kids that we were dealing with, that would never happen. And, and just to wrap your head around that is amazing. <laughs> For our listeners, back in the day when Sharon first started with the chapter, um, you know, a lot of them were given specific wish types to work on or to coordinate. And Sharon had the really a gift to really be able to work on all of our Disney world wishes and all of our uh, Florida or domestic travel wishes. Um, so that ultimately, you know, gave you a perspective that a lot of people didn't have and also cruises, 
you know, that you worked on as well. Um, so how was that experience? How was it working with our volunteers on wish granting? I mean, it, it always amazes me because I mean, I, I, I know I, I, I know how I got into this and why I got into this doing this kind of work, but volunteers, they don't, you know, they don't have, a lot of them don't have the experience that I did as far as what, what was given to us. And they're just, they just do it. And, and for all different reasons. And, um, and it amazes me how, how many volunteers um, do, do so much and without, without really needing any kind of acknowledgement or whatever it just they this they're literally doing it from from such a tremendously good kind place that um it's it it just it's mind-boggling really to to see how much effort goes in and and how many you don't really hear about that on the news you know how many people really it takes to to pull this off what what we did for so many years and still doing um, because it's just all these people are just under the radar and um, don't need to be to be in the in the spotlight or in the limelight they're doing it for all the right reasons and that was um, it still blows my mind sometimes because um, that's I think that was probably the impact of um, our wish was it the fact that it was such an act of kindness from so many people on so many levels. And I think that's the transformative thing. I mean, the, obviously the wish itself and going to Disney, you know, and it was just like a, an amazing, amazing wish. But I think the act of kindness never leaves you. Yeah. And I was going to say, you know, that's, um, truly the backbone of the organization are volunteers um you know the foundation was founded by volunteers it Mm -hmm. continues to be served by volunteers volunteers will be here you know way they'll they'll be around after staff come and go you know they'll they'll still be around and that's as long as our organization is around volunteers are going to continue to be play a critical role in our ability to grant these life-changing wishes for our kids and um, it's really amazing. And, and, and on behalf of the entire chapter, Sharon, I just want to once again, thank you for your 14 years of dedication to our organization, because, you know, you've done, you've touched so many lives. Um, we had a wonderful, by the way, we had a wonderful retirement party for you last year. It's, it's been a little over I a year, know. which, which doesn't even feel real. Um, but we were able to have a wonderful retirement party for you. And we invited some of those wish granting volunteers that you work yeah. with and other volunteers that you, 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 you built relationships with over mm-hmm. the years. And we invited them to, to celebrate you um, last year, which come to think of it now is like, you know, if you would have retired this year, <laughs> we wouldn't have been able to have host yeah. something like that. Cause we can't even have 10 people in a room. And here we had, you know, 10, 20, 30 people, you know, there to celebrate you because of all the amazing work that, that you did. So um, again, on behalf of everybody, we just want to thank you for everything that you did to change all these kids' lives and families' lives and, and you know, forever, literally, you, you, it really them. is a privilege though. I mean, that was one thing that we always taught in our, obviously Abe with you in our, um, our wish grantor training, but it really is, it really is a privilege to be able to enter people's lives at such a critical point, um, that you can actually make an impact and do something that could 
or that will help them um, recover um, and just feel, um, you know, that the that the world is there with you. I mean, it's just it's it's an amazing thing, and um, and it is a privilege. It, there's no doubt about that. It's absolutely a privilege. I got to say, we got to go on a little uh, sidetrack tangent um, because you just mentioned training and it just reminded me of um, a great conversation (laughs) that we had on an airplane on our way to one of our conferences. And we started talking about a window of opportunity that we have (laughs) as an organization (laughs) to grant wishes. And that conversation turned into one of the cornerstones of our wish granted training, which is this uh, we use PowerPoint for our training, right? So for those that are listening in, you know, I'll kind of describe it for you. We look, we took that idea of a window of opportunity and we looked at, we translated that into the, what it, what it looks like for a wish. So ultimately the inside of the window. So the four panes of a window had, you know, everything that we focus on, which is, you know, hope, strength, joy, you know, excitement, anticipation, all the fun stuff that is, that Make-A-Wish is all about. And then all the stuff outside the window were things that may influence some of that stuff inside the four panes, um, but we don't <laughs> try to focus on it because it's out of our control. So, right. so part of that would include things like, you know, family dynamics mm-hmm. or, you know, um, uncertain future, you know, and other mm-hmm. things that obviously we could not, we had no control over, but right. what we do have control of is the overall wish experience for those families. So that's just a funny side story that I, I would love for you to kind of share a little bit because that translated also to some other themes where we took it from that to using um, movie, like utilizing the idea of like creating oh, yeah. a movie and how you have producers and directors and kind of how did we how did we translate that to like our wish program? So we had like the producers were, you know, um, the board and, you know, and, and staff. And then you had like the directors were the volunteers that were working behind the scenes to make sure that everything was, was working out right. And then the star of the, of the movie was our wish kid, you know, and all the other actors, you know, were the family members, you know, we kind of looked at it that way. So, you know, during the course of your years uh, working with Make-A-Wish, you know, what are some other stories like that, that you can think of that, uh, that you kind of maybe are reflecting on now a year removed from working day to day at the organization um, well, that you would, would be able to share with our listeners. Really, that metaphor, I rem- and I remember talking to you about it because we did have like a light bulb go off when we were on a plane going to a conference. <laughs> and it was, it was really, um, I just, I just, kept on getting that image in my head that there was, you know, you literally have a snapshot in a child's life. Um, you know, make a wish has this part. Um, and you can, you can really fill that with, um, some amazing things, but you, you know, there's a beginning and there's an end and, um, and that that's where your opportunity lies and you can literally change your life. I mean, there's obviously, you know, we, we've had kids that, um, after their wish, like they, they go into a different, I mean, they focus on, um, their wish to the point where it could be part of their career. And I mean, it changes, it's life changing. And, and just like an illness is life changing. I mean, um, you know, these experiences that, that you and I have, and all these wish families have, it is, um, again, it's an opportunity. 
um, and it's an opportunity to grow and um, and and develop into something as a human being. And the wish is really this the same thing. It's it's an opportunity for volunteers and staff and and um, donors to make um, really a, an impact in a child's life when they need it the most. And um, that was always, you know, we, we just couldn't miss the opportunity. And sometimes that opportunity was really small. I mean, especially when we got rush wishes uh, where the child is um, really sick and they, we have an opportunity to make a difference in a very small amount of time. Um, and it's like all hands on deck and we have to pull this, you know, we have to pull this together really quickly and, um, and do whatever we can in a short amount of time. Um, and, and again, it's, it's, um, it's exciting. And at the same time, it's nerve wracking because you've really, you, you want to make sure that you can pull it off. Um, but every time something like that came across, I mean, you know, volunteers, it's amazing sometimes that you'd be calling on volunteers in a situation like that and they just jump right into it. And same with staff. And it's, it's just, you know, the board will be like, let's do it. I mean, that's, it's, it's a privilege to be able to do, to make a difference in somebody's life like that and how, and how it affects the entire family. It affects the entire community. Um, It's, it's a great thing. Now, let me ask you, so it's been a little over a year since your retirement and moving over to Massachusetts. Um, So obviously now you're living closer to Erin, you know, Mm -hmm. your entire lifestyle has changed, you know, your day to day has changed. You're closer to your beloved Red Sox. Yep. Um, so (laughs) (laughs) how has the transition been? They bombed, but anyway. (laughs) I know, man, it's, it's. Baseball is crazy right now. I mean, the, the shortened season, we don't know how next season is going to look. Uh, you know, for those that are listening in, Sharon and I, you know, we, we always had this, this playful banter back and forth because I'm a huge Yankee fan. She's a, a Red Sox fan. Her husband's a, a Yankees fan. So, um, you know, it's interesting because, um, you know, we always go back and forth. We even gave each other at times, you know, secret Santa gifts that had to do with the rivalry, <laughs> which is always good. I got her a green monster shirt, you know, things like that. Um, but, um, but yeah, so, you know, it's, it's one of those things that now you're, you know, a full year removed from the day-to-day hustle bustle of, of Make-A-Wish and, you know, looking back on your, your 14 years with the, with the chapter, you know, what are some of those things that, um, that you think about? It's funny because I really thought I'd be doing more volunteering, <laughs> but obviously in this year it's, 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 it's been tough. Um, and I'll, I mean, I always hold um, Hudson Valley, certainly close to my heart. I mean, that's, um, you know, Hudson Valley is the chapter that, you know, obviously granted our wish and, um, and, 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 you know, I've spent so much time there and it's, um, I really thought I would be more involved, uh, even, even at this far away. Um, I was doing a few things online, obviously with you guys, um, the staff and trying to, um, get you through some of those, um, procedures and things like that. But, uh, it's, you know, I, I know I'll continue to volunteer. And once this is, is, um, a little bit easier to get out there and, and help families, um, it, it's one of those things I don't think I'll ever stop doing. Let's put it that way. Um, 
there's, I mean, obviously there's many organizations that have helped us in the past um, that still mean a lot to us. And, um, um, but Make-A-Wish is, is certainly really special. Um, I hope in the future when this is a little bit easier to, to travel and to go from state to state that, um, that I'll still be involved. I still, I mean, it's, it's nothing that you can just let go of. That's for sure. Um, you just, you just can't. So I hope to, to come back and see you guys and help with galas and walks and whatever, whatever you need me for, Abe. For those that don't know, um, you know, that are listening in and are, are, are hearing this episode, you know, Sharon really was in a lot of ways, um, the backbone of the office too, because Sharon also on her own would always add a little color to the, uh, the wish house with her flowers and, um, all around the, the wishing well in front of our wish house. And, um, so it's been a little bit more Brown this year, um, you know, with you not being around, but, um, but, you know, we haven't had a lot of visitors, obviously, as a result of the no. pandemic coming over we to the Wish really. House. So it's all right. But um, but yeah, again, I just Don't can't. Don't worry, I'm, I'll be back. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we'll plant, we'll plant some stuff at the Wish House. We'll, we'll bring it back. But I just want to, on, on behalf of everyone at the office, again, I just want to thank you for, for everything. Um, one of the things that we try to do on this podcast is we call, we have a segment. It's called the Shooting Star segment. So we'll just kind of throw out some questions. It's a you know, you say the first thing that comes to mind and we'll kind of go from there. What do you think, Sharon? Okay, Abe. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know we kind of touched about this. Oh, yeah. These are easy. <laughs> these are easy things. And one of them we already touched upon a little bit, but um, but I'm going to put you on the spot again. So out of all the okay. memories you have with Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley, whether it was as a wish parent, you know, staff member, uh, volunteer, you know, what would you say is your was one of those memories that kind of stand out when you think about Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley? What's kind of the first thing that pops up in your head? Um, when I just think about Make Wish Hudson Valley, I really do think of the kids and some of the some of the wishes that um, that were really impactful. Um, one in particular, again, it's one of those one of those wishes that I mean, there was thousands really. I felt like that you could um, pick out that are just unbelievable, but. I do remember working on a little girl's wish, um, Melanie, who um, was really pretty sick and she just wanted to swim with the dolphins and, um, and there was no way she could fly. um, And she really wasn't doing well. We weren't sure how we were going to get her there. Um, But um, we ended up figuring out a way to get her on a cruise ship and, um, and taking her to, uh, the Baha- I mean, uh, Bermuda, because they had a, a swim of the dolphins um, place there. And it was it was a really difficult thing to organize because she was so ill. Um, and we were trying to find the right time that she would be stable. And it was working with the um, her mom, especially, and um, her nurse and her physician and trying to figure out, is this even going to happen? And she ended up going into the ICU a few days before she was supposed to leave. And we thought this isn't going to make it, this isn't going to work. Um, but oddly enough, she was so motivated, um, about her wish and so focused that somehow things all came together literally within 48 hours. And she ended up going on her wish and probably being 
having so much um, endorphins <laughs> that she really had she really had the time of her life and did so much better. I mean, we had oxygen, all kinds of stuff for her. And she really didn't even use it until um, until she got home, which was just amazing to me to to see what an impact um, something like that is, and when when a child really has that much motivation and how it literally took her to the next level, that was amazing to me. I I it I was the whole time I was I was just you know. I just felt like calling her mom and saying, oh my God, how's she doing? But I ended up calling Bermuda to make sure that they got there okay and that everything happened the way it was supposed to. And it was just uh, just the fact that she swam with the dolphins when she was supposed to and she had the time of her life and it was everything she, um, and more that she thought it would be. It was like, oh my gosh, we weren't sure if we could pull it off. But thanks to Melanie, I mean, she her motivation was um, contagious and everybody around her um, just rallied, including herself. And it was, that was life-changing for me. It, that wish was really life-changing for me because it, it was just so amazing. That's awesome. And, and, and kind of as a good segue to the next question, which is if you could have a wish, what would it be? And for our listeners, I'll just recap what the five formal wish categories are, which is to go, to be, to meet, to have, and to give. So I've, out of all those categories, Sharon, which wish would you have? Well, I, it was always my dream to go to Hawaii, um, and I planned a lot of Hawaii wishes. So I think um, if I – and I thought I'd be there by now, but obviously this year wasn't the time. Um, but I think if I – when I do go, I should say, um, it's, I'll certainly know <laughs> what to do because I've planned so many, um, different excursions and things like that. But that's something that I've always, I mean, I always loved, um, I always loved to, you know, flowers and, and beautiful scenery. And ju I just would love to go to Hawaii. I think that was something that I've always wanted to do. And that was my wish. I think when we first, when I first started volunteering, um, and that was always a question that you were asked. If it was your wish, what would you choose? And uh, I have to admit, I, I, I would still love to go to Hawaii. <laughs> hey, there you go. I, I, you know, I honestly thought you were going to say you wanted to meet Paul Newman, um, since you're such oh, a Paul Newman fan. But I did do that. <laughs> I did meet. Paul. Ah, oh, oh you, I didn't know that. So share the story. So yeah. when did you meet Paul Newman? Well. Um, one of the other organizations that obviously that um, helped us out a lot was the Hole in the Wall Gang Camp, which he started um, in Connecticut. And now they have like a multitude of camps, at least 12. Um, but my husband and I did volunteer there. Um, and Erin was a camper and she went every year for about five years. And um, so when it was time for um, us to pay it forward with camp, we, we, um, went to camp to be counselors, which was also an amazing experience. Um, because at that point, even though you're, um, I was a wish mom and I was like a parent on that end, I, then I was able to be a, a counselor, which was really like being a kid, um, again. Um, but in, in some of those years that I had volunteered, um, Paul Lynn would always be in the background. He would pick a day every week, um, to come to camp to see the 
the kids during a, um, their stage night or whatever. And um, I finally got up the courage to go up to him and, um, and thank him but, uh, for everything that he did for, for Aaron and all the kids that were there. Um, so that was a, that was a dream come true. <laughs> so quite a quick question on, on kind of Total's uh, change of pace. You know, what advice would you give to someone from the community who is interested in volunteering or is looking to donate to a charity like Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley? Um, just do it. Uh, you'll get more out of it than you realize, uh, especially if you um, engage in it in, in, a, in a multitude of ways, because you really do meet as a volunteer, you meet um, like minded people who just want to make a difference and don't necessarily. Um, you know, need to, to make a big deal out of it, but it is, it's amazing the the community of people that you meet, um, it's, it's, it will give you so much in return, probably more in return than you realize. Um, and, and you expect, uh, and it's just, um, it's just a, a wonderful community. Uh, it's, you, you do great things for kids that really need, um, something to look forward to. Uh, and it's, it's a worthwhile organization and, um, you can't go wrong. <laughs> so last question as part of our shooting star segment in one word, how would you describe make a wish? Um, I'd say kindness. That's really what it, it's really all about. It's, it's the human spirit. Um, one human being being kind to the next human being. And, and it, and it's a, um, it's a domino effect. That's great, Sharon. Well, thank you so much for sharing all these wonderful stories and kind of, uh, it's a nice retrospective of your 14 years also at, at the chapter, which is really nice. Yeah. So for all of our listeners, you know, just, you know, this is truly a treat to have someone like Sharon to share their story with us because, and with you, um, because they, uh, cause you can really see how, get a sense of the people behind the scenes that are making these wishes happen. And Sharon is a, is a great example of that. So special thanks to our guest, Sharon, for joining us today and sharing how she's been touched by the power of a wish. Sharon, thank you so much thank you, for Ray. everything. Miss uh, you guys. We miss you too. To our listeners, remember, you can always refer to our show notes for additional information about the topics we discussed today. And we also invite you to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Let us know how we're doing and any questions you may want to add to our Shooting Star segment. We're always open to hearing what you guys have to say. Special thanks to our executive producers for the Wish House podcast, Jillian Rodriguez and Sydney Wolf, for helping me put the podcast together. Couldn't do it without their collaboration. And finally, from all of us here at the Wish House, thank you for joining us. Stay safe and stay healthy.